It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are seconds away from hearing the daily Locked On podcast you love, but I'd like to tell you about another podcast I think you'll like. Rejecting the Screen, hosted by NBA experts Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, features provocative interviews with NBA stars and unique perspectives from around the game. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, Hoops Heads. Welcome to Locked On Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Tuesday, January 23rd. I'm your host, Aliko Carter. Good game tonight against the Knicks. We'll be getting into that in the first segment. In the second segment, we'll be doing my Warrior of the Week And in the third segment, we'll be going around the NBA, visiting a few teams and checking out the repercussions of some recent firings, trade rumors, etc. Should be fun. Tomorrow is going to be fun, too, because tomorrow we get to talk about the All-Star Reserves and do a mock draft. So tune in tomorrow, Wednesday, for that. You can interact with me outside of this podcast at Kojitare on Twitter, K-O-G-I-T-A-R-E. Or via email at alikocarter11 at gmail.com. That's A-L-I-K-O Carter11 at gmail.com. I welcome your correspondence. Additionally, make sure that you go to Facebook and like Locked On Warriors and Locked On NBA Net and Locked On All the Other Teens because there are plenty, about 30 to be exact. And then also go to LockedOnWarriors.com, bookmark that page, find us at Locked On Dubs on Twitter and on Instagram at Locked On Warriors. You can find my media at Forbes.com. I've also been featured on BleacherReport.com. All right, without further ado, let's get started with this Knicks team. And I want to go straight to Zach Lowe's all-star starters and reserves list. He obviously doesn't have the same list as what's going to be presented tonight on TNT. But he does have Chris Stapps Porzingis on his team. It's going to be hard for the reserves. I mean, you can't leave this guy off the, with the numbers he's putting up. But his team is five games below 500 in the rugged Eastern Conference and looking like a far cry from a playoff contender. And here's what Zach Lowe had to say via ESPN. Porzingis has hit half of his shots in three of his past 16 games. He doesn't rebound or pass enough. His go-to move is catching the ball 15 feet from the rim, whipping around without taking a dribble or scanning the court, and launching. When he's going badly, Porzingis almost looks like a rich man's Harrison Barnes, a guy who gets buckets one-on-one in the middle of the court but doesn't really elevate his team in doing so. But Porzingis is 7'3", and he's shooting 39% from deep on a team that was starved for perimeter talent before Tim Hardaway Jr.'s return. Porzingis' outside shot shooting unlocks valuable lineup flexibility for Jeff Hornacek and opens up looks for his teammates. Reuniting with Hardaway has already perked up Porzingis a bit. The Knicks average 1.13 points per possession when Hardaway Porzingis pick and roll leads directly to a shot. For one of those two or a teammate one pass away, a drawn foul or a turnover, the fifth best mark in the league among almost 300 high volume combinations per second spectrum. 
Porzingis also draws a ton of fouls on those quick hitting post ups. He's so tall, defenders raising a hand to cloud his vision end up whacking him in the elbow. Seven foot three, crazy. Anecdotally, it seems like he's been a better passer over the past two weeks. Toss in his defense. Porzingis ranks among the league's best rim protectors by most public measures, and he's deserving despite his annual post-November slump. So that's what Zach Lowe had to say about Chris Stapp's Porzingis, and it's really on the mark. I mean, obviously, he gets a lot a better chance to watch the Knicks day in and day out than I do, and particularly living in New York. But Porzingis is a really, really special player, and his sheer size opens up opportunities for his teammates. Uh, we might be seeing some JaVale tonight to match up with Porzingis, even though they play mostly uh, with Porzingis at four bringing his defenders out to the rim. It's really tough without Jordan Bell to um, to guard this guy. So Draymond's going to be doing a lot of that, and Draymond has gotten in his head, that is Chris Stapp's head, a number of times over the last few years. So that should be pretty fun, especially with Chris Stapp's reeling from not being named a starter. And we'll see, you know, if he makes the all-star team, he'll know by the time the game tips at 7.30 Pacific. So... Uh, either he's going to be really happy or really sad. And, you know, I mean, like I said, the team is five games above five, uh, below 500. And the sheen of New York really is what is leading. Obviously, you know, he's the team's most important player, but they're not a playoff team. You know, so let's look at his stats and see what we're going to be dealing with tonight. So this is a middling team on both sides of the ball. The offensive rating is 13th out of 30 with a 107.7, and the defensive rating is 20th out of 30 at a 108.9, so that's a negative net rating of 1.2, which kind of matches up with 21 and 26. They're 10th in the NBA's Eastern Conference, and they last lost at LAL. They're on one of the longest road trips that the Knicks have ever had, seven games, the first Uh, seven-game roadie that they've had since the 60s, and they're 500 so far. They had a number of losing streaks over the last few weeks, beginning on December 22nd. They lost four in a row, and then on Tuesday, January 2nd, they started another winning losing streak, losing three in a row. Another losing streak started on January 10th. They lost three in a row, and then they began this road trip winning at Brooklyn, which was a glorified home game, losing at the Grizzlies, winning at the Jazz, and losing at the Lakers. They face Golden State tonight before heading to Denver and then finishing at Phoenix, where they should be able to right the ship. Porzingis, to his credit, he's fallen to 23.3 points per game, which is a far cry from the nearly 30 he was averaging through December. He's taking 4.83 pointers a game, shooting 38.5%, and only 45.3% from two, averaging 6.5 makes on 14.4 shots. That's not great. His field goal percentage overall is 43.6, and you think for a guy who's 7'3", that he'd be better around the rim. Uh, He does get to the line six times a game, shooting 80%, 81%, but that's just not good enough uh, to pull a team out of mediocrity, and he's only averaging 6.7 rebounds a game. 1.3 offensive, so we're going to have to watch out for him. Ennis Cantor averages 3.5 offensive rebounds per game and 10 rebounds total, and Jared Jack is putting up 6.2 assists, so this is an offensive team that can make things happen. As far as assisting the ball, Chris Stapps is only averaging 1.2 assists, but he's got 2.3 blocks and nearly a steal per game. 
So what what we're going to have to do is get in his face because he does turn the ball over a lot and he does commit more fouls than anybody else on his team, including Cantor. Chris Stapps' per 36 numbers are a little bit better than his overall numbers, showing that uh, Jeff Hornacek is being careful with his minutes, making sure that he doesn't run him into the ground, which is one of the hallmarks of a smart coach, a good coach. His offensive rating is 105 and his defensive rating is 106, showing that his team suffers just a little bit with him on the floor offensively, but is a better defensive team than when he leaves. Interestingly, Ennis Cantor's offensive rating is 122 and his defensive rating is 106. And I'm not sure if that is having them play together or if Cantor is just feasting on bench-heavy units. Not sure. Just uh, I have to watch more Knicks games to figure that out. And, uh, Frank Nielkina is only an 87 in offensive rating and his defensive rating is a 109. So he's been a net negative by far. But it's been shown that he hasn't necessarily been, you know, I mean, he's a rookie. You want to see more from him, a high lottery pick. And it's really just a matter of him shooting better. He's only shooting 32% from three and 37% from two. But Tim Hardaway Jr. has been absolutely a revelation this year. In limited games, he's only played 26 games. The Warriors are also going to have to look out for Michael Beasley, who is playing with a chip on his shoulder after playing overseas, coming back and really lighting up the uh, Madison Square Garden. He's averaging 23 shots per 100 possessions. He's going to be a usage-heavy player, and Kevin Durant is going to have his work cut out for him defensively. Before we move on to the Warrior and Warriors, because I will be speaking about multiple Warriors of the week, I want to talk to you about becoming a sponsor of the Locked On Warriors podcast. If your company is interested in men between the ages of 18 and 44, you need to look no further than Locked On Warriors. The podcast world is on fire and Locked On Warriors is no exception. The podcast is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if that your target demographic, send me an email, alicocarter11 at gmail.com. I will give you all the details, including information on our very reasonable rates. So get at me. Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive through for your own steamy carton of crispy, golden goodness. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Support for this podcast comes from State Farm, here with good news and even better news. The good news? State Farm has new lower car insurance rates. The even better news? That means you can now get the service and convenience of a local State Farm agent at surprisingly great rates. State Farm can help you save more cash and get the good neighbor service you deserve. Just talk to your local State Farm agent or visit statefarm.com to find out how much you can save on your car insurance. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Now for this Warrior of the Week segment, I want to revisit Zach Lowe's piece on 2018's NBA All-Star Starters and Reserves, specifically because he left Stephen Curry off the starters. 
And he left Stephen Curry off the starters because he missed 15 games and because Jimmy Butler has missed, like, zero games and has been playing out of his mind for a team that is 12 games above 500. He convinced me. He convinced me. So uh, I'm going to give you some of his takes on Stephen Curry, Draymond Green, and Klay Thompson, who all make the team, and there's different metrics for what he's really trying to trying to say. But anyway, here is his spiel on Curry. Curry is a backup here only because of 15 missed games. As some readers may remember, that's about the point at which I factor in availability. I have even disqualified some prior candidates, including Embiid last season, though he was on a minutes restriction, for missing about that many. Blake Griffin and Chris Paul faded from this season's debate after missing 16 and 17 games, respectively. I thought very hard about Paul anyway. He's been that good. Fans of those players might justifiably ask why Curry gets in. Why? Because he's Stephen Curry. He's a two-time MVP and a two-time champion, an NBA revolutionary who has been ridiculous for the league's best team, 27 points on almost 50-40-90 shooting, when healthy. Even having missed those 15 games, 15 potential stat-padding blowouts, Curry is still second overall in raw plus-minus. Eric Gordon tops the league. When you are all of these things, when a generational team constructed its ethos and on-court identity around you, different standards apply. That's life. And he started Butler over Westbrook because Butler has been better and Westbrook doesn't have the shooting efficiency or defense. And his team isn't as good. So that's an interesting one. I, you know, it's, it's really tough because Curry is so popular that it can sometimes eclipse how good he is on the court. Like, what's more clear, that he's very popular or that he's very good? And obviously, he got more votes than anyone in the Western Conference this year because he's popular. And it used to irk me so much that Kobe would get so many all-star votes after he tore his Achilles because he just wasn't good anymore. But he was still being pegged as a starter because L.A. fans, Lakers fans, are zealous, very, very zealous. And Warriors fans have become zealous, too. And that's why he got so many votes, even though he missed 15 games. But also, he's been a supernova in the games he's been playing in and a big reason why the Warriors have been winning, specifically in January, when they haven't been playing defense. So that is a tough one to swallow, him not being a starter on this list, but we know he's a starter in real life, so it doesn't really matter. Here's Zach Lowe's spiel on Green. Green should be a lock, too. He's the third best player on by far the league's best team, their smartest passer, still the keystone to everything they do on defense. Durant has made a leap on that end, and those block shots are tasty, but the defensive player of the year talk is more cute narrative than real thing. On a play-by-play basis, Green remains the Warriors' best defender, a savant who sees everything before it happens and appears to move almost ahead of the ball and the opposing defense. So Green is a lock because he's a defensive savant. And that hasn't been as clear this year with the Warriors' defense being not as good and Green missing games. But if you really, really watch the Warriors on defense when Green and Durant are playing at the same time, you can see how much better Green is. Obviously, Durant is a huge boon on the ball, but Green can guard five positions and is with his eyes guarding five positions at all times. Add to that, he leads the team in assists, and particularly in vision assists, and you see why he's so important. Also, two triple-doubles ain't nothing to sniff at. So there's a gaggle of studs, according to Lowe, for the last three positions, and Thompson 
found himself in that gaggle along with DeMarcus Cousins, Paul George, Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, Nikola Jokic, Lou Williams, and Devin Booker. And then a tier below that, there's Eric Gordon, DeAndre Jordan, Clint Capella, Tyreek Evans, and CJ McCollum. But Clay did just make Lowe's team. And here's why. There's no right answer to the Thompson-Lillard-George question. Lillard is the worst defender by a mile, but also the only first option. George is shooting a career worst, excluding his six-game campaign in 2015, 2014-2015, 44% on twos. Thompson is one of the hardest all-star candidates to evaluate in league history. What an existence this dude lives. He doesn't even have to worry about dribbling. That's how you free up enough brain space to become an expert on scaffolding. <laughs> but Thompson is such a great snap-release shooter, probably the second greatest ever, draining a league-best 45% from deep, that he almost functions as a floating section, second option just by moving around and drawing attention. He's a solid defender who spares Curry the, bur the burden of guarding every elite player and switches across three or even four positions. Thompson doesn't look overmatched guarding LeBron and Griffin. That's true. He looks, he's 6'7", and all of 6'7", and he can play on ball against bigger guys. Low goes on. He's also thriving under a much heavier load when both Curry and Durant sit, shooting about 46% overall and 42.5% from deep amid lineups that are big positives. Could he do what Lillard does as the alpha dog by a hair over CJ McCollum? Probably not. But Lillard couldn't fit Thompson's role on a potential dynasty the same way either. The Warriors are set 37 and 10 with a scoring differential indicating that they might be even better than that. They are the defining team of today's NBA giving them one-third of the West's all-star spots is fine. And that's Klay Thompson for you. As I've said in the past, Klay Thompson has been the most consistent player on the team. That is still true today, even though his numbers have fallen off a bit in January. He plays nearly every game, and when he's not playing, it's just scheduled rest that Steve Kerr tries to get in every now and then. But he's a workhorse. He's guarding the other team's best wing. He's shooting a career-high 45% from three, career-high, and is pretty close to that 50 40 90 mark as well uh so it's really hard to leave him off this team but all of those players that zach Lowe mentioned are absolutely the des deserving and if lillard doesn't make this team well that's just sad uh you know that's two three straight years that he will have been overlooked for the all-star team if he doesn't make it we'll see in a few hours so there you have it my warriors of the week for this week are stephen curry draymond green and clay thompson Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Surface. Introducing Microsoft Surface Laptop Go. Available in three colors, its thin light design, built-in HD camera, and touchscreen turns any space into your workspace. More at surface.com slash laptop go. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one -on -one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. <laughs> Making you old-fashioned today with the wild turkey bourbon 101 it just really stands up very well in a classic cocktail like the old-fashioned it has that perfect boldness wild turkey wild turkey distilling company lawrenceburg kentucky copyright 2020 campari american new york new york never compromise drink responsibly so just time for a quick around the nba segment on this tuesday january 23rd and we'll start with the cavaliers uh, they had a team meeting including coaches Apparently, it was a fiery meeting, and Kevin Love had to explain himself. I'm not really sure what that explanation had to do with, but per ESPN's Dave McMiniman, the Cavs, ex the Cavs meeting was explosive. Lou, to his credit, said that the meeting was all well and good, 
good to do a lot of talking, but they have to play better. Offensively and defensively, as well as collectively. So Love left early in the last game against the Thunder of 148-124 blowout loss. He left early apparently because of an illness, but the other teammates called him out. Love said he felt like a target, but everybody was kind of a target. And we're trying to figure this thing out. So Love told reporters Monday that he was feeling dizzy and disoriented before the OKC game. And the training staff had him sit out. And when he didn't start the second half, he just went home. During the team meeting, players were skeptical skeptical of Love's sickness and critical of the Cavs coaching staff and decision makers allowing him to leave without any accountability. But I'm not, you know, I, you know that's, that's a tough one, without any accountability. This, to me, shows that the Cavs... Uh, you know, as a team are feeling that love isn't contributing enough generally. You don't just say to, you know, oh, you, you're not really sick. You say that after you see evidence over a longer period of time of somebody really phoning it in. Can we really say that Kevin Love has been phoning it in? I'm not sure. I mean, I've seen a lot of Cavs games and he tries on defense. He really does. He's just miscast as a five. And offensively, uh, he's been a great second option since before IT came back, knocking down three-pointers, playing well in the post. It's it's a tough one. It's a tough one. You know, I don't play with him, and you can't really judge other players for seeing what they see. James's play has also been called into question, according to multiple team sources per McMiniman. During the past 12 games, he's averaging 22.5 points, 6.8 rebounds, 7.1 assists, and 4.4 turnovers while shooting 20% on three and 65.8% from the line. James repeatedly refused to address the team meeting. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. That's what he said. Everybody's accountable and my numbers is down. He said the team's numbers is down and we're not playing well. So obviously it's a direct correlation of all of those things. I could care less about me individually, but when I'm not playing to my standard and we're losing, then I have to do a better job as well. So I got to figure that out too. So that's the Cavs right now. They are in full crisis mode and they're still third in the Eastern Conference. They still have more talent than most other Eastern teams and they could still get out of the East. Moving on, in Portland, Damian Lillard had a meeting with Paul Allen reportedly to gather an understanding of the organization's direction. Specifically, are they building a team that can contend for a title quickly? According to sources, per Chris Haynes of ESPN, the meeting was held without knowledge of anyone else in the organization. They met for about an hour, and it was the first home game that Paul Allen had attended this season. Apparently, Allen feared that Lillard would request a trade, but no trade request was made. And, you know, we know this about Lillard. We know that he's a loyal guy. He went to Weber State even after being scouted by other larger programs because Weber State came to him first. And he was picked by the Portland Trailblazers. I don't think he wants to play for any other team. But he has championship aspirations, and he's about to be 28. So, yeah, I mean, he's extremely, extremely talented, and he wants to win, you know? Portland is 25-22 and and 7th in the Western Conference, which would match them up with the Houston Rockets if the season were to end today. He hasn't advanced past the second round despite making the playoffs in the last four seasons. This was the first time that Lillard and Allen have ever spoken in such a capacity, and the sources describe the meeting as productive. Could lead to more sit-downs in the future, we think. 
Mark Stein recently wrote that the Trailblazers are trying to trade for DeAndre Jordan, but the Clippers haven't had any serious offers. Chris Haynes goes in-depth on what is making the Portland Trailblazers tick and what, you know, what problems they have, including three-point shooting. So definitely go check that out. Elsewhere, Michael Jordan said specifically that he would only trade Kimball Walker for an all-star. That basically means Kimball Walker is on the trade market. So, you know, he didn't really walk back any of the comments or reports. I mean, I don't know if he's going to get anything that he's looking for, he being Jordan, uh, but you definitely got to look at trade packages that don't include an all-star because Kimba Walker is, you know, I mean, he's a fringe all-star at best, but at the same time, Charlotte doesn't really have a lot to bargain with. And what are they going to get for him? Uh, They really should be looking for a package and then maybe do something about those ugly contracts potentially before the trade deadline or during the summertime because they have some really ugly contracts. And last thing, NBA retailer Fanatics has partnered with American Express, and I'm going to write a story about that for Forbes.com. It's it's about jersey insurance. And you know, with the trade deadline coming up, you might not you might be afraid to buy your favorite player's jersey, but if a fan buys a jersey on Fanatics within three months of a player leaving that team, the fan has two weeks to make an exchange. That's a cool cool offer and 25% of fans are worried that the jerseys they purchase will become obsolete according to the co-president of Fanatics direct to consumer business Chris Orton so it's a major pain point and they're solving it that's pretty cool obviously most of the listeners here are warrior fans and warrior fans don't tend to have to worry about losing players until the end of the season Uh, and so we'll see which one of our marquee bench players we'll be able to keep in addition to keeping our four all-stars that's my podcast for the day make sure you tune in tomorrow wednesday where i'll be recapping the game against the knicks we're going to do our statistical deep dive and then i'm going to be holding a mock draft with Stephen Curry and LeBron James named captain and the All-Star Reserves being announced tonight. So definitely tune in for that and stay thoughtful, Hoops Heads. San Jose Sharks hockey is back, and we've got you covered five days a week at Locked On Sharks. I'm Kyle Demetrius. I'm J.D. Young. I'm Eric Fowl. Together, we make sure you're never without your Sharks programming. Will the Sharks make a trade for a right winger? We got you covered. Will Eric Carlson's groin hold up for the entire season? We've got you covered. Whatever happens with Team Teal every day, we've got you covered at Locked On Sharks five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.